Dr. Luis Sandoval is accomplished in the fields of mental health and spiritual warfare. A medical doctor, board certified in neurology, psychiatry, and family medicine, he is also a psychiatrist for the Roman Catholic Diocese of Orange Ministry of Healing and Deliverance. Now, Dr. Luis Sandoval. All right, well, welcome to Virgin Most Powerful Radio. You are listening to the Dr. Luis Sandoval Show. And as always, it is a pleasure to be here with our audience. You know, it's such a great time here in the summertime in Southern California. Beautiful weather, nice and hot uh, for those of us who enjoy the heat. Uh, for those of us who don't, well, you know, it's going to cool down anyway because we do have our cool days. But always great to be here. Let's go ahead and get started with the Angelus at the top of the noon hour here. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. The angel of the Lord declared unto Mary, and she conceived of the Holy Spirit. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Behold the handmaid of the Lord, be it done unto me according to thy word. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Pray for us, O Holy Mother of God, that we may be made worthy of the promises of Christ. Let us pray. Pour forth, we beseech thee, O Lord, that grace into our hearts, that we, to whom the incarnation of Christ thy Son was made known by the message of an angel, may by his passion and cross be brought to the glory of his resurrection. Through the same Christ our Lord. Amen. St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke and we humbly pray and do thou, Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl around the world seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, folks, today we have a great show, I hope. Um, you know, I'm titling, titling it, It's the Little Things. And sometimes, you know, different inspirations come to us. How do we come up with our shows? One, I always love listening to uh, obviously our listeners. If you guys have emails for me, you have uh, topics you want to discuss. If you say, geez, Dr. Sandoval, I think it'd be great to talk about this or that. That's wonderful. I love that because then I want to reach out and connect and see what are, what are people thinking about? But one of the things that I was feeling lately and that I was that I gathered um, is that sometimes we feel like we have to do a whole lot or that sometimes we feel like in order to get closer to God, shall we say, uh, sometimes we feel like I'm not doing enough or look at everything that's happening in the world. How could God possibly even care about me um, here in my own little space where I'm not doing much? I'm not that important. I'm not a big politician. It seems like these big politicians are making decisions and they're talking and they're, you know, we talk about elections and these are really important people and we're not that important, you know, and sometimes we start to feel like I'm not that important to God. And that can hurt our self-esteem. That can hurt our reason for being. That can make us forget actually that it's the littlest of things that at the end of the day really matter. You know, this came up for me, like one of those times where you're talking to somebody and you hear Jesus speaking. Well, I heard Jesus speaking through me. And let me explain what that means. So the other day, I'm talking to my daughter, and, you know, she's growing up. She's coming into her teenage years almost and, you know, trying to figure out life. It's that odd time of life where we're kind of kids, but we're kind of adults, and we're starting to get responsibility, but we don't know what to do with it. And we had to have a heart-to-heart -heart conversation. 
And the conversation went something like this. I said, you know, you might think I'm being hard on you or giving you um, extra chores or telling you that you're responsible for certain things that you're not used to being responsible for. And I said, but, you know, the reason I'm doing that, and you might think, oh, geez, dad's going to punish me if I don't do this, or he's getting really upset because I didn't do something he asked me to do. And I said, you know, the reason I tell you to do these things, it might seem little to you right now, but I'm preparing you for bigger things in life. I'm trying to get you ready for bigger responsibilities. You know, right now I might ask you to go wash the dishes or, you know, to go clean up your room. And it might seem like a big chore. I said, but you got to remember you're the oldest. You're going to be driving a car someday. You're going to be doing these bigger things that you're going to have to do. What if all of a sudden mom says, hey, go drive the car and run an errand somewhere. If you didn't learn how to do some of the little things, how can we trust you with the bigger things? And as I was looking at her, she was all excited. And she said, I'm going to drive a car? I said, yeah, someday you're going to get there. We're going to have to teach you. But at the same time, I heard in the back of my mind, Jesus speaking to me and telling me the same things and saying, if I can't trust you with the little things, Dr. Sandoval, how am I going to trust you with the big ones? If you complain about the little things, gosh, you think you're having a tough time at work or you talk to somebody and that conversation didn't go well, or you think somebody asked something of you and you were like, what do they need? And if you're getting upset or flustered over that, how am I going to trust you with the bigger things? You know, it's interesting because sometimes we think I got to do such big things to impress God, but we got to take it back. That really made me take a step back and say, hmm, I'm telling my daughter that I'm preparing her for bigger things. Do I trust that God is doing the same thing in my life? That I got to be calm, be patient, realize where I'm at, stand strong, and really appreciate that by doing the little things right for God, he will take care of everything else, and he was, he's going to get me ready for bigger things because now he knows he can trust me. Can I see that? Can I see that in my life? Well, you know, I started, when, when I had that conversation with my daughter, I thought, man, that really kind of, it really struck me, you know? It really made me think like, I think that all these things in the world that it seems like big deals, people are in charge of a lot of big things, and here I am in a small little world, but really in the eyes of God, that's what's going to matter, and that's what's going to count. So I went back to the Bible, and I said, well, let me see what God's really saying about this, because as I was talking to my daughter, I really felt that echo. I really felt Jesus saying, hmm, you're telling your daughter this, and that's good, but are you listening yourself? So I went back, and I looked up in the Bible, and I found Luke chapter 16, verses 10 through 14, right there in the Gospels, Luke chapter 16, verses 10 through 14. And this is what Jesus is telling us. He says, whoever can be trusted with small things can also be trusted with big things. And I'm like, ah, that was the word of Jesus. That was Jesus speaking. Whoever is dishonest in little things will be dishonest in big things too. If you cannot be trusted with worldly riches, you will not be trusted with the true riches. We're going to go come back and break this down because I think this is important. Then he goes on to say, and if you cannot be trusted with the things that belong to someone else, you will not be given anything of your own. You cannot serve two masters at the same time. You will hate one master and love the other, or you will be loyal to one and not care about the other. You cannot serve God and money at the same time. The Pharisees were listening to all these things, and they criticized Jesus because they all loved money. This is straight from the Bible. This is where it comes from. Let's go back and break this down a little bit, because as I was talking to my daughter, I was trying to get her to understand it. And once she could see some of the big things that I had that life has in store for her, that I have in store for her, you know, that I'm that I want her to enjoy in life, but she can't get to those if she can't do the little ones. Boy, her eyes were open and she kind of appreciated that responsibility. And she said, Okay, I'm ready to do dishes or whatever it is because I want to be able to do bigger things as well. 
right? I think Jesus tells us that too. And sometimes we start thinking, boy, I got to do big things already. And we got to be humble enough to take those steps back. But there's some very important phrases here that Jesus tells us, some of the verses that Jesus tells us here that really deserve to be looked into. Because when we start thinking, really, at the end of the day, what's our end game? We got to make it to heaven. What's going to make it to heaven? I feel like, boy, if, if somebody's not on a platform speaking the whole truth, if I'm not out there doing all these things, if I'm not praying 10 rosaries a day, if I'm not doing this, I'm not going to make it to heaven. You know, different people will come to me and say different things. They're saying, they'll say, geez, I feel like I have to do all these sacrifices. I feel like I have to do all these things. And it's true. We do have to sacrifice. We do have to fast. We have to pray. Praying the rosary is a great way to pray. But we have to ask ourselves, are we really doing ourselves a favor or God a favor by trying to pray, you know, 10 rosaries a day or something like that? Are we even really tr truly praying at that point? Are we appreciating what we have? So let's look at this and let's break this down because Jesus says, if you cannot be trusted with worldly riches, you cannot be trusted with true riches. And if you cannot be trusted with things that belong to someone else, you will not be given of your own. You cannot serve two masters at the same time. Why does this matter? Jesus is telling us, let's look at the small things. Okay. Then you'll be trusted in the big things. Sometimes we start to feel like I need more in this world. I need to do more to get more riches in this world. It can be challenging to see that. But at the same time, we see this all the time. You know, we see this and especially in people who have a lot of affluence, people who are very prominent in the world, people who have a lot of riches, people who have a big platform. And sometimes they claim that they're Catholic but they do things otherwise, or they say that they're going to do things against the Catholic Church, even though they're Catholics, they're going to try to convince people that their way is the right way. And how good is that? How honest is that? Remember, Jesus says, whoever is dishonest in little things will be dishonest in big things too. I think when we hear our politicians talking about, you know, this is okay in the Catholic world, and and we can do these things and 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 be Catholic, and I can be okay with abortion and be Catholic, or I can be okay with war and be Catholic, or I can be okay with different things and be Catholic. You know, at one point I have to ask myself, boy, if they're real, willing to lie on such a stage, then where did it break down? Where did they start lying with little things? Did they start lying with the little things and all of a sudden it snowballed into the big things? I got to ask myself that too, because this is where it comes into that. I'm going to pray a lot. I'm going to do a lot of penances. Am I lying to myself with, with the little things? And by little things, I mean basic things, you know, prayer, penance. Am I telling myself that I'm really doing that much prayer? Well, I can be reciting a lot of words. I don't know that that's officially prayer. It's kind of like if I'm just talking to a friend, and I just talk and talk and talk and talk. Did I stop and sit down to have a conversation with them? Were we engaged? When I'm praying, I bet you that if I decide to start praying all day long, but I neglect my family and I'm not even focused on the prayer, but I'm just saying the words, God's probably going to say, look, give me one good Our Father. Just focus on that Our Father. Be present for me. Be there for me. Let's have that conversation together. But it was a solid Our Father with the intention that you're going to do good for the day and you're present for your family, you're there with your wife, your kids, and you try to make their day better, boy, I bet you there's a lot more merit in heaven than by doing all these other things that you think are so meritorious, but are a little bit over the top. You know, it's interesting because as I'm trying to teach my children, I got to ask myself, what is it that really matters to me with my kids? It's not the big things they do, it's when they do the little things right. We're going to talk more about that and see more Bible verses when we come back from the break.
All right. Well, welcome back to Virgin Most Powerful Radio. You are listening to the Dr. Luis Sandoval Show. And today we are talking about it's the little things. It's the little things in life that are going to matter at the end of the day. I was recounting, if you were uh, to all of our listeners, if you're listening to our last segment, I was recounting how I was talking to one of my kids and I was letting them know, you know, boy, I get happier when you can do the little things that I ask you to do correctly than when you feel like you need to do really big things to impress me or anything like that. You know, um, if I just ask you to do your chores or clean up your room and you do that, well, boy, that's all I needed. And everything else falls into place. But I know that sometimes we feel like we have to do a whole lot of big things in order to make it to heaven in order to catch God's attention. But I think it was a good reminder for myself because honestly, as I was speaking to her, it's kind of like I felt Jesus talking to me. You know, the voices are coming out of my mouth, but I could hear something behind me saying the exact same words directed at me. And I, boy, that was that was pretty impressive. I got to say it moved me a little bit. Um, but, you know, it can be pretty daunting. So it's like, geez, I have to like the little things. I can't serve God and money. How do I do that? What's how, how am I supposed to accomplish that? We're going to talk about that a little bit more in the show. But there's a few Bible verses that really sink that into me because Jesus says it's the little things uh, that matter. And then I was reading a few other Bible verses, a few stories. Um, one was a parable and another one is Jesus himself speaking. But let's go through those to show the way God thinks. Remember, in order to be Catholic, I always say we have to think like Catholic, which means that we have to read our scripture, which we're doing today, or read our catechism or read some holy books, lives of saints or something to fill our minds with what it means to be Catholic. So we can think like Catholic. That way we can live like Catholics. I'm going to live based on that example. And I can truly say that I am Catholic. We're going to be Catholic. Well, let's read the story. One of the stories I was thinking about, one of the parables that came to mind was uh, when Jesus talked about the rich man and Lazarus. Let's read through that really quickly and see what does that have to do with the little things in life or the things that matter. So it says, this, and again, this is from Luke chapter 16, verses 19 through 31. It says, there was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen and lived in luxury every day. At his gate was laid a beggar named Lazarus, covered with sores and longing to eat what fell from the rich man's table. Even the dogs came and licked his sores. The time came when the beggar died, and the angels carried him to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried. In Hades, where he was in torment, he looked up and saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. So he called to him, Father Abraham, have pity on me and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue because I am in agony in this fire. But Abraham replied, son, remember that in your lifetime, you received good things while Lazarus received bad things. But now he is comforted here and you are in agony. And besides all this, between us and you is a great chasm has been set in place so that those who want to go from here to you cannot, nor can anyone cross over from there to us. He answered, then I beg you, Father, send Lazarus to my family, for I have five brothers. Let him warn them, so that they will not also come to this place of torment. Abraham replied, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them listen to them. No, Father Abraham, he said, but if someone from the dead goes to them, they will repent. He said to him, If they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be convinced, even if someone rises from the dead. Think about that. 
I mean, there's a lot, there's very rich uh, gospel here, very rich uh, parable. They will not be convinced even if someone rises from the dead. Sound familiar? How many times do we believe in the word of Jesus, even though he rose from the dead? And we still have doubts. We're human. We still have doubts. The apostles still had doubts. But in keeping with our theme about keeping things simple, it's the small things that matter. Let's look at this because this what made what allowed Lazarus to get to heaven? That's our end game. Really, that's what am I preparing my kids for? Am I preparing them truly for college, for life? Yeah, they have to navigate this world in order to make it to heaven. That's the end game for everybody. Everything has to turn back to Christ. And that's the end game for us. We have to look at what do I need to do to get to heaven? Do I really need to do big things? Well, I'll tell you what, Lazarus, the beggar, didn't do a whole lot of big things. He was just there at the table trying to get a scrap of food. And even the dogs came and licked his sores. What a humbling place to be. Do we ever feel that, feel that way? Do we ever feel like everybody else has riches? Everybody else has this luxury? Everybody else is doing well, but we are covered with sores. It could be the sores of frustrations, the sores of lack of patience. There's lots of different sores, but can we wait patiently to make it to heaven? That's all Lazarus really did. We didn't hear of Lazarus doing much more. He was just begging and more than likely must have been very humble. The angels came to carry him to Abraham's side. The rich man was buried. He called to him and said, have pity on me. He wanted to cool his mouth because he was tortured. Abraham replied to him, you receive good things in life. Do we ever get jealous? Do we ever look at other people and say, man, I wish I had all the good things they have and not account for the good things we have? You know, that's one of the hardest things we saw in the reading before this one, where Jesus said at the end, he said, you cannot serve God and money at the same time. The Pharisees were listening, and they criticized them because they loved money. Well, we see another situation here where somebody was given what is considered good things here on earth. The rich man was given good things here on earth, and he was very comfortable. And he's reminded of that by, by Abraham. Son, remember that in your lifetime you receive good things. But that wasn't enough for him. It wasn't enough for him to receive good things and give those gifts as well. Share those gifts with Lazarus, the beggar. Share what he had and give somebody else a little bit of comfort. That's really what it comes down to in this world is making sure that we're taking care of each other. I'm thinking as I'm preparing my kids for the world, yeah, I want them to get good degrees. I want them to have a job where I don't want them to be begging. I don't want them to be on the streets. I want them to be able to take care of themselves while they're on this planet. But do I need them to reach the greatest of all heights and be CEOs and things like that? If that's what God wants for us, that's great. But if we're given gifts, if we're given big positions like that, we have to use them responsibly. I know that a lot of our listeners have been emailing me and saying that they're very frustrated with the politics, they're very frustrated with what's going on. Well, we've got to remember those whoever's in politics, whoever's got a big position of power, they're going to be responsible for that. And God's going to ask them, how did you use this position of power? You were given a great position, great riches, great goods in this world. Did you use them in a way that you humbled yourself? Did you make yourself small even though you had that? Could I trust you with those big things? How do we know that that's going to matter? All that's going to matter is how we interacted with each other. All that's going to matter when we come to that throne, when we say, you know, I want to make it to heaven. I'm ready to present my goods to God. God's not going to care how much money we had in our in our bank account. He's going to care about what we did with our money. He's going to care about how we got along with each other. That's what I had to remind myself to not only teach myself, but what I'm teaching my well, what teach my kids and myself. It really at the end of the day, what matters is how did we treat each other? 
did we take responsibility and our responsibilities with little things seriously and importantly so that when we get to heaven, that's Jesus is going to say, hey, you did this for me. You fed me. You visited me in prison. Let's look at that because that was the other gospel. So first I thought about, geez, you know, let's look the Lazarus and the beggar and and the 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 uh, back, Lazarus was a beggar, but the rich man, he had all these goods and he didn't use use them appropriately. He didn't really look at the person who was right there next to him to feed him. Now, the, for all I know, the rich man gave money away to other places or all that. I don't know. It, it doesn't say. All that gospel tells us is that he didn't have enough wherewithal to look at the beggar who was at his table, looking for table scraps, who was right there in front of him. If he was at his table, maybe he wasn't in his house, but maybe he was right there. Maybe he walked by him every day. You know, this rich man could have seen Lazarus every day and not even thought about him. How many times has that happened to us? It's very easy to sway away from what's around us and we feel like we have to do these big things and help somewhere else. No, I have to go help at my church. But we don't even know who our neighbor is. We're not even ready to help the person right next door to us. How do I know that that's going to be important? Let's look at this gospel. Let's look at the gospel on the final judgment. This is from Matthew 25, verses 31 through 46. It says the final judgment. This is what Jesus says. But when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit upon his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered in his presence, and he will separate the people as shepherd separates sheep from the goats. He will place the sheep at his right hand and the goats at his left then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you invited me into your home. I was naked and you gave me clothing. I was sick and you cared for me. I was in prison and you visited me. Then these righteous ones will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink or a stranger and showed you hospitality or naked and give you clothing? When did we ever see you sick in prison and visit you? And the king will say, I tell you the truth. When you did it for the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were doing it for me. Then he will turn to those on the left and say, away with you, you cursed ones into the eternal fire prepare for the devil and his demons for i was hungry and you didn't feed me i was thirsty and you didn't give me drink i was a stranger and you didn't invite me into your home i was naked and you didn't give me clothing i was sick and in prison and you didn't visit me then they will reply lord when did we ever see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and not help you and he answered i will tell you i tell you the truth when you refuse to help me, at least of these of my brothers and sisters, you were refusing to help me. And they will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous will go into eternal life. There you have it, folks. I mean, <clears throat> it really is. This is now the moment of the final judgment. This is when we're faced with heaven and hell. What is going to be asked of us? It's not going to be the big things. Really, we can sum this up and we can say, well, that means I got to go give a glass of water to somebody. or That means I got to go clothe somebody who's naked. We can think of that. We can take it literally. And yes, that's going to be important. But I think what it comes down to is, do we recognize that Jesus isn't everybody? Are we able to be that humble, to be that simple, to realize that in order to get to heaven, if I can just realize and recognize that Jesus lives in everybody around me, I will behave in a way 
that will be simple enough, humble enough, that I will treat everybody with love and respect, and I will take into account what my neighbors need. I will be nice to them. I will look out for them. I will think of more than just myself. That's really what this comes down to. When we're looking at the final judgment here, what Jesus is saying is, I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was hungry and you fed me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. I was naked and you gave me clothing. This is where Jesus is saying, are you able to recognize me in other people? Are you able to be that simple? It's not that hard. Just see that I live in everybody else. Now, once we recognize Jesus in other people, we have to have enough sense that we have to know how to treat Jesus. How are we going to treat Christ? How are we going to treat the truth? That's really what it comes down to. Am I willing to tell the truth to my neighbor as well? That's pretty risky nowadays. You start speaking the truth, you can get in trouble, right? What we know as Catholics to be true, other people might not like. But are we simple and humble enough to recognize Jesus is in that person? And if I can speak the truth to them, maybe they will recognize that in their hearts. Maybe they will recognize Jesus in their hearts. This can feel overwhelming sometimes, but what I want to look at when we come back from the break is, are there any saints? Is there anybody that can help us? Any other person who can help guide us so that we can use them as an example is, how do I live a simple life? How do I focus on the little things in life in order to make sure I make it to heaven? More after the break. All right, folks, welcome back to Virgin Mouse Powerful Radio. You are listening to the Dr. Louis Sandoval Show. Welcome to the clinic where we talk about our health, our spiritual health, our mental health, and our physical health. And today we are talking about how can we think like Catholics and focus on the little things in life in order to get us to heaven. You know, we sometimes want to think about um, doing big things. Sometimes we feel like we have to really do extraordinary things. But I was reminded the other day, I was talking to one of my kids and realizing, I don't want you to do big things in order to make me happy. It's just the simple things. You have a few little chores to do around the house. If you can just do those well, I don't have to worry about that. That gets done and everything else kind of goes into order and really takes place well. That's what really matters. That's what's important. I think God thinks of us in the same way. You know, we're all God's children and God gives us little chores that sometimes we think are annoying or are not exciting or that we're not doing that big a deal by simply saying our prayers, just one rosary a day or, you know, taking the time to fast for the day. Boy, that feels like it's a bit much. I don't know if I want to do it, but I think that if we can focus on the little things in life, if we can focus on that which is simple, boy, that's all we really need to make it to heaven. We don't really need much else. And at the end of the day, that's the end game, right? The bottom line as Catholics is we just want to make it to heaven. We want to get that sainthood. We want to be one with Christ. We want to make it through those pearly gates and say, I made it to heaven. But if we feel like we got to do really big things to do that, then we're not thinking the way Christ thinks. Before the break, we were talking about few gospel readings and a few Bible verses on how Jesus is saying, all I need to do is trust you with the little things so I can trust you with bigger things to come. Well, it can feel overwhelming that way. It can feel like, how do I do that? I think one of the saints that we can look at, of course, and if anybody who's ever heard of St. Teresa of Lisieux, or they called her the little flower, is that she followed what she called the little way. Now, remember, she was in a convent. She wasn't traveling much around the world. Um, and she decided that the little way was her simple approach to the spiritual life. And in that way, she was going to be able to do extraordinary things with extraordinary love. We forget we have to have the level of faith, like the mustard seed that Jesus says, small level of faith. If you have even have the smallest level of faith, 
you can have the faith of a mustard seed. It can grow into the biggest of bushes. Or Jesus is saying, if you have even the smallest of faith, you can move mountains. I think St. Teresa is a good reminder of that. I found this nice article on her, a couple of articles I want to read on her. Um, but just to go through and to remind us, what is it that we need to do, you know, so we don't feel overwhelmed. We don't feel depressed and anxious and worried about what am I doing with my life? How am I going to make it to heaven? I haven't done this. I haven't done that. I think Jesus is reminding us, and through St. Therese, we can see that. Keep it simple. If we keep it simple, we'll make it into heaven and have much bigger things. Let's read this. Let me read this article for you. It says, St. Therese of Lisieux has become one of the most popular saints in the past hundred years, and whenever her name is brought up, so too is her little way. However, not everyone is familiar with this phrase. What is the little way? She wrote about the spiritual pathway in her autobiography, Story of a Soul. Throughout her life, St. Therese wanted to become a saint. Yet in her eyes, her life wasn't all that extraordinary. Don't we feel that way sometimes? Like all of a sudden, we have to do something super extraordinary. We have to get a bunch of college degrees, or we have to, you know, really build this big church and put our name on it and say that we built it. Eh, St. Therese tells us a little bit different. It says she compared herself to other saints and she thought she could never reach the same heights of sanctity. This is what she wrote. You know, it has never been my desire to become a saint, but I have always felt in comparing myself with the saints that I am far removed from them as a grain of sand. I'm sorry, I read the first part wrong. She says, you know, it has ever been my desire, not never, ever been my desire to become a saint. So she'd always want to become a saint. But how many times do we do this? We look at the lives of saints and we think, boy, I could never do that. Look at everything they did. They traveled. Some of these saints became bishops and like St. Patrick all over the island of Ireland and, you know, all these different things. How could I ever accomplish that? Well, St. Therese found herself in that in that place. And she says that she's far, so far removed from them as a grain of sand, which the passerby tramples underfoot, is remote from the mountain whose summit is lost in the clouds. So sometimes we think, gosh, in order to be a saint, I have to reach the highest of clouds. And how am I going to get there? She felt she was a little grain of sand far from the mountains. Then it says, the article goes on to say, instead of being discouraged, St. Therese trusted in God and believed that it was in her littleness that she could become a saint. So I think that that's the biggest part right there. The biggest part wasn't the littleness in that sentence. It was that she trusted in God. I think that's the hardest part for us because we feel like we think the way we think. We think God thinks the way we think. I think we need to change the way we think to the way God thinks, right? Because a lot of times this is where we see people in pitfalls. We think, oh, God thinks this or God thinks that. I'm trying to uh, uh, tell God or say about what God thinks based on how I think. And we got to switch it around. i got to realize God is unknowable. I don't even know how God thinks, but I can surmise certain things. I can understand certain things if I look around the world and not focus on my knowledge. But the first thing I have to do right here, like St. Therese said, she trusted in God and she believed that in her littleness, she would become a saint. Meaning that I know how I think, but I'm going to trust in God. And I'm, this is the only power God gave me. He didn't, he didn't put me in a big place but he put me here in this home. I can go mow the lawn, maybe. Maybe I can organize the office. Maybe I can do something like that. And in that little act, I'm going to trust that God can do big things with it if I devote myself to God. This is what she said. I concluded that God would not inspire desires which could not be realized and that I may aspire to sanctity in spite of my littleness. For me to become, a, to become great is impossible. I must bear with myself and many imperfections. And I can I can relate to that. 
Then she says, but I will seek out a means of getting to heaven by a little way, very short and very straight, a little way that is wholly new. This little way, the article says, consisted in performing little virtues, not seeking grandiose sacrifices to God, but little acts of holiness. You must practice the little virtues. This is sometimes difficult, she said, but God never refuses the first grace, courage for self-conquest. And if the soul corresponds to that grace, she at once finds herself in God's sunlight. So here we go. It's very simple. I have to first just have a desire, have the knowledge that I want to conquer myself, meaning that I want to put away all my vices. I want to put away anything that's bad. And I want to start to move in that way that I'm going to get closer to God, which means that I have to recognize my imperfections. That's what St. Therese said. She said, must bear with myself and my imperfections, right? So we have to recognize that that's the humility. I have to look at myself and realize I'm not perfect. I'm far from perfect. I have a lot of so we say a lot of people out there email me and say I have a lot of insecurities. Uh, they have a lot of uh, self-doubt. They have a lot of pride. Whatever it is we struggle with, we're each going to have our struggle. Am I willing to try to overcome that? Once I'm willing to try to overcome that, already we're in God's good graces. Says so she finds herself, the soul finds herself in God's sunlight just by my desire to recognize I'm not perfect. I need to move forward. But now I just want to, how do I do that now? Now that I do that, what am I supposed to do? What little things can I do? The article says, frequently she would recall the image of a little child and how we should be that child, trusting in our loving father, always striving for heaven, even when we make mistakes. Keep in mind, this doesn't say no mistakes. Sometimes, a lot of times we think, oh, saints, they were perfect. They didn't make any mistakes. No, only Jesus was perfect. The saints made mistakes. The question is, am I humble enough to recognize that I make mistakes and in spite of my mistakes, continue to walk towards God? That's humility to keep walking towards somebody and saying, no, I'm not perfect, but I'm going to keep trying. That's the key. This is what St. Therese said. You make me think of a little child that is learning to stand, but does not yet know how to walk. In his desire to reach the top of the stairs to find his mother, he lifts his little foot to climb the first step. It is all in vain. And at each renewed effort, he falls. Well, be like that little child. Always keep lifting your foot to climb the ladder of holiness and do not imagine that you can mount even the first step. All God asks of you is goodwill. From the top of the ladder, he looks lovingly upon you and soon, touched by your fruitless efforts, he will himself come down and taking you in his arms will carry you to his kingdom, never again to leave him. But should you cease to raise your foot, you will be left for long on earth. That's the level of faith right there. You know, this is this is where it really comes down to where she says, yeah, I'm going to trust in God wholeheartedly. That's that's all we need. We need to trust in God and try and even step up. Notice that in this, she says, she never even gets past that first step. She's saying my level of imperfection, how am I going to move forward? I can't even get past the first step. I'm going to, I'm not even going to make it up that step. I'm going to keep trying. The key there was continuing to try and notice that we're continuing to try to climb the ladder all the way to God. It's the same ladder. It didn't change ladders. She didn't say, find a smaller step or find a different ladder. It's one ladder. It's the ladder to God. It's the ladder to heaven. And we need to keep trying even that first step. I keep making mistakes. I can't even get past the first level. But what happens? God is a good father and he sees that. He's going to come down and he's going to carry us up all the way to the top. St. Therese never left the Carmelite monastery, didn't become a martyr, 
and would have been lost to history if it weren't for her autobiography. Her little way reminds us that anyone can become a saint, whether they are a garbage truck driver, a sales clerk at a retail store, or even a retired grandparent, all are called to holiness. What we must do is strive for holiness in our everyday lives and place our trust in God. You know, this is powerful. And sometimes we see this and we say, well, it's simplistic. You know, she was a nice nun, these little things. We have to have that level of faith uh, that it doesn't matter where we are. She never left her monastery. She stayed in her Carmelite monastery, but her book is all around the world. She became a missionary just through her writing and she didn't become a martyr, right? Sometimes we see these saints and we say, man, they, you know, St. Peter was crucified just like Jesus. Other saints become martyrs and die for the faith. That's really big. She believed through this level of faith that even just trying to climb that first rung of the ladder, just making an effort to be with God, not having to do a lot of perfect things, just every little act we do is an act of love for God, that alone will get us into heaven. That alone, God will lift us to the top of the ladder. Now, for those of us who do deliverance work, one of the things that I love about St. Therese is that even in her little ways, we forget. Sometimes we think people say, gosh, I can't even do things. I'm going to pray. I feel like I feel like I'm being oppressed by demons. I feel like you know bad things are happening in my life. How can I even move forward? Well, I love one of the stories of St. Therese when she talked about a little a dream she had, because in her dream, she shows us that even with this littleness, even being small, actually, that's probably the best battle against the devil, the humility, the littleness, because that's what's going to send the demons scurrying away. Let's read this other article on St. Therese. This is what she says. This article is titled, How St. Teresa Lisieux Scared Away Two Little Devils. Actually, we're coming up on the break. It's a great article, a good break. When we come back from the break, we're going to read this and show us how St. Therese, who had the little way, she was able to scare off two demons, two devils. And how did she do that? It wasn't anything extraordinary for any of us who think, gosh, I need to find the right deliverance prayers. I need to find this or that. Boy, we're climbing up the wrong ladder in that case. More about this when we come back from the break. All right, folks, welcome back to Virgin Most Powerful Radio. You are listening to the Dr. Luis Sandoval Show. And today, here in the clinic, we are talking about what's the quickest way to get to heaven? It's the simple way. we got to remember, it's the little things that we do. It's the little things that we do in life that are going to matter most when we make it to the pearly gates. When we make it, when we're standing before God, he's going to say, what did you do with your life? If we start saying, gosh, you know, I became the richest person on the face of the earth. I invented the fastest car. I solved the problem for, you know, a big mathematical problem. And I made rockets that could make it all the way to the ends of the solar system. That's not going to matter as much. He's going to ask us, when did you feed me? When did you clothe me? When were you kind to me when you came across me? Because at the end of the day, the simplest things that we do, when we do them for love of God, when we see God in things, do we have enough faith in God that he will put us in the right place? Even if it doesn't seem like we're doing very big things, do we understand that that's what's going to get us to heaven? Listening to the word of God, being simple and humble, appreciating where we are in our everyday lives and doing every little act that we do with humility and love. At the end of the day, that's the ticket. That's the key. We were talking about St. Teresa Lisieux and her little way right before the break. Well, I know that doing deliverance ministry and helping people out when they feel like they're afflicted by demons or things of that nature, and they feel like there's nothing I can do in life. There's too much darkness. There's too, It's too hard right now. Um, I don't feel like I can accomplish much. We forget that 
and the, the best way to to be in deliverance, the best way to ward off any darkness, the most powerful things we can do are be humble, go to confession, because that's the ultimate moment of humility. But even if we're not going to confession that day in our life, what can we do to move away anything dark? Just be humble. Keep it simple. Put God in your heart. Let's look at this article. It says, how St. Teresa of Lisieux scared away two little devils. This is what the article says. It's not very long. It says, the closer she approached, the further they wanted to run. St. Teresa Lisieux records in her autobiography, Story of the Soul, an interesting story from her early childhood. She writes about a dream she had when she was around three or four years old that involves two little devils. I remember a dream I had at that age, which left a very deep impression. I was walking alone in the garden when suddenly I saw two horrible little devils near the arbor dancing on a barrel of lime with amazing agility in spite of having heavy irons on their feet. They looked at me with flaming eyes, then, as if overcome by fear, threw themselves in the twinkling of an eye to the bottom of the barrel. They escaped in some mysterious way and ran off to hide in the linen room, which opens into the garden. When I saw how cowardly they were, I put my fears aside and went over to the window to see what they were up to. There, there the little wretches were, running around and around the table and not knowing how to escape from my gaze. From time to time, they came nearer, still very agitated, to peep through the window. Then, when they saw I was still there, they began racing about again in abject misery. Hmm, interesting. So she's a little girl. She's walking through the garden, sees these two little demons. They were dancing around. But as soon as they saw her, something happened. They were overcome by fear. You know, it's usually the opposite, right? A lot of people come to deliverance ministry because they're afraid. Usually the people are afraid and they feel like, oh, these demons are too strong. But St. Therese saw something else here. She said when when they looked at her, when the demons looked at her, they were overcome by fear and they wanted to run. Well, let's see what the article says about this. It says, St. Therese never really understood the dream until later on in life when this meaning became clear. She explains, I do not suppose this dream was very extraordinary, but I do think God made use of it to show me that a soul in the state of grace need never be afraid of the devil, who is such a coward that even the gaze of a child will frighten him away. This reflects a simple truth that even an exorcist would agree with. The most effective way to combat the influence of the devil is to live a virtuous life united to the sacraments. When someone is in a state of grace and remains grafted unto the Lord, he or she need not fear the devil who will run away from them like those two little devils. St. Teresa's story reinforces the words of Jesus who said, Truly I say to you, Unless you turn and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Jesus was not saying that we should become childish in our behavior, but instead that we should have the pure heart of children who lovingly trust his merciful Father. With that type of childlike faith, even Satan himself would hide from us, unable to stand our purity. That's really what it comes down to. Remember the simple way, are kids complex? No, we look at kids and we realize that being a kid is very simple. Being a kid is all about, I want to go play. I don't like the rules, but I have to follow them. And I need an adult to show me and to keep me in line. But guess what? If you're a little kid, have you ever been a teacher and you have little kids and you don't 
enforce rules or they don't have times where they're supposed to do things, they don't thrive. Children thrive with discipline. They need to know what the rules are and they like to follow the rules and that's where they're happy. They might not like the rules being there, but they're happy when happy is when they follow the rules because that creates order. They know where they need to go. It's very black and white and very simple. Does it sound familiar? All we need to do are follow the rules of God, follow the Ten Commandments, follow the rules he set in place. We might not like them. We might not like that they're in place, but how are we going to get to heaven? Keep it simple. Follow the commandments. It's not that hard to follow the commandments. It's hard to fight our own nature, right? That's really the hard part. The commandments are very simple. They're not that hard at all. If you notice, this is where salvation can go to anybody, whether you're super learned, super academic, or very simple and humble. Commandments are the same across the board. They're not that hard. The commandments relate to the soul, not to the intellect. It doesn't matter how smart you are, or how not smart you are, or what you know or what you don't know. The commandments are very simple because they relate to our human nature. If we can keep it simple, just like St. Therese, a little child, and we stay in the state of grace, we have nothing to fear. In fact, we will be feared. But we don't think about that. If we do the simple things in life, if I just keep my room clean, if I just go to work and just do my job without trying to get into the gossip of the office place, without worrying about if somebody likes me or doesn't like me, I'm just going to show up, I'm just going to do my job, and I'm going to walk away. There's more merit in heaven in that than trying to go to work and do my job and trying to make sure that I'm better than somebody else or that I'm smarter than somebody else or that I got more recognition than somebody else. That's a hard way to live, and it's not very childlike. At the end of the day, as a kid, can I play a little bit? Can I learn a little bit? Can I trust in my parents? Because that's the other thing. As a kid, the only thing we can do is trust in our parents. We're guided the whole time as children. We don't have our own will, so to speak. It's We rely on our parents' will, what our parents ask us to do. Why? Because that's the way God made it. God made it so that we can be guided as kids. And why does he want us to become like children? Why is the kingdom of heaven for those who are child? like, not childish, but childlike, because we relent our will to the will of God and we're guided by our heavenly father. I'm your child, God. You show me where I need to go. You show me what I need to do. You teach me what I need to say. Hopefully I can do it the way you taught me. That's what it means to be childlike. That's what we expect of our children. If I tell my child, do this, do that, keep your room clean, keep it simple. That's all you need to do. Then our children are happy and they recognize that in us very familiar. I'm telling you, I heard the voice of God when I was talking to my kid. God was talking right back at me and saying, hey, you better practice what you preach. You know, that was important. Well, as we close the show, let's look at what does the Bible tell us? I found this nice article with a bunch of different Bible verses that tells us how to keep it simple. So let's look at a few of these. One of them, it says Proverbs verse 16, uh, chapter 16, verse 3, commit your work to the Lord and your plans will be established. That's pretty simple. Whatever I do, I offer it to God and everything will be taken care of. Your plans will be established. Your work will be done and it will be beautiful. Just commit it to God. Whatever you, whatever talents you have, whatever career you're in, get up, do it, and you're simple. Let's see here. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 26 to 29. For consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth, but God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are, 
so that no human might boast in the presence of God. I like that one a lot because it reminds me a lot of times, God, did he make me the smartest man in the world? No, but that's not what God chooses. God says, hey, you know, we're going to use you. I'm going to work through you so that people can see my glory, not the world's glory. So sometimes if we feel like, man, I'm not that important. I don't matter much. I'm not all that great. Well, I got to remember all the strength and all the intellect and all the greatness comes from God. And that's what God's going to use. We look at this in Marian apparitions. You know, we never hear that, oh, Our Lady appeared to the king or the president. No, she appears to shepherd children. She appears to humble children. She appeals, appeals, appears to the little ones who could be considered not learned. But yet what greatness comes out of that? Are we ready to be simple like that? Are we ready to look at God and the simple things we do and offer even the simplest of things to the Lord? Let's see here. Oh, I like this one. Jeremiah 30, chapter 33, verse 3. Call to me and I will answer you and will tell you great and hidden things that you have not known. Notice that's not about, hey, go out and do great things and I will tell you hidden things. And I think about it. You know, hidden things that you haven't known. Hidden things, meaning things that the world can't see, but only God can see. How does God say that? What, what does Jeremiah say? What's God telling us to do? All he's saying is, call to me and I will answer you. But think about it. If we're calling to God, that really speaks to our level of humility. I have to, in my heart, recognize that if I'm calling to God, I am calling to the greatest being that I cannot imagine because my mind is not cannot comprehend God, as St. Augustine tells us. I can't comprehend God. I have to humble myself. I have to make myself simple before God. I have to call to God, recognizing that I can't do it on my own. Keep it simple. God, I can't do this on my own. I call to you. And what does God say he'll do? I will tell you of great and hidden things that you have not known. Why is that important? Because then we'll have true knowledge. It comes down to the truth. It comes down to being able to speak the truth, and the truth is God. And it's simple. If I humble myself, I will start to recognize that. Let's look at this one. I like this one a lot. This is James chapter 3, verse 4. Look at the ships also. Though they are so large and driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. It doesn't, I like that one a lot. We're closing up the show here. Let's read that really quickly. It says, James chapter 3, verse 4, Look at the ships also. Though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder whenever the will of the pilot directs. We make ourselves small. Sometimes we want to be that ship. We want to be the sail. Really what this is telling me is I should be the rudder. I should be what's hidden. Think about it. The rudder is hidden. Nobody can see it. It's under the water. And it's guided by the will of the pilot. Let God pilot me. I'll be the rudder and I'll be able to direct big ships. I'll be able to do the things that the world might think are great, but I will stay hidden. I will stay, stay safe and it will only be the pilot who directs me. I think that's very powerful. That's a beautiful, beautiful verse. Well, folks, we're coming up on the end of the show. Today, I would say in the complexities of the world, with everything we see that's going on around us, the key for us as Catholics to be at peace is to keep it simple, keep it simple in our hearts, and just look for Christ everywhere else. And in all of our simple actions, like I always say, keep it Catholic.